I've got my glasses here. I better put them on because I printed in low font. If you've got a Bible there, uh, just go straight to Romans chapter 12 for me. Could you please? Romans chapter 12. You know, I was reading, um, I was reading in, the, in uh, the book of Acts the other day, um, in Acts chapter 8, and I talk about this quite a bit here. In Acts chapter 8, we've got this situation where in Acts chapter 7, Stephen, who's one of the pillars of the church, gets martyred. He's, he's the first recorded martyr, and, and a martyr is somebody that has given their life for their, for their faith, basically. Uh, and so Stephen is the first recorded New Testament church martyr that we see uh, in, in, in the, the, the history of the first 30 years. So the book of Acts is Luke's history of the first 30 years of this Christian church, this faith that you and I are a part of. And Stephen gets martyred in Acts chapter 7. In Acts chapter 8, a massive persecution breaks out amongst the churches in Jerusalem. And uh, Luke records very clearly that all the believers in Jerusalem scattered except for the, the apostles. They stayed in Jerusalem. I don't know the ins and outs of that. But what I know is this, the, the general Christian population, and there were thousands of them, by the way, they scattered. They picked up and they took off because of the martyrdom of Stephen. It wasn't just that Stephen was killed. It was that a decree was then issued, go and do this to all the others too. This rabble-rousing group of people that are standing against the uh, religious strongholds of the day and claiming um, you know, that Jesus was something other than just a... a a teacher who the religious authorities nailed to a tree and, 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 and buried him, and that was the end of that. And they claimed, no, no, we've had an encounter with Jesus after he was crucified, which proves he's alive. And they went on, and this faith that we're a part of began to develop. But in Acts chapter 8, the church is scattered. And it's interesting when the church gets scattered. And I want to just focus your attention on one, one verse here. And it's in Acts chapter 8 and verse 8. It says this, that when the church was scattered, they went out to a place called Samaria. They went out through Judea and Samaria. Previously, they hadn't taken this news of Jesus out to that place. Now, remember Jesus, Matthew 28, going to where? Where? All the world. All the world. Now, Jerusalem was not all the world. It was just one part of a bigger place. But up to this point, they haven't taken the gospel out there. They haven't gone out there and reached these new horizons and taken this message of Jesus out there. Because of this situation with Stephen, all of a sudden they were pushed into new places. All of a sudden they were pushed into a new territory. And they took this message out there. But what I want you to see is this. They went out into Judea and Samaria. And instead of clamping down, instead of going quiet, instead of, instead of getting caught up in what had happened and their own personal pain and their questions, and I'm sure they had many, what they did is they took this message of Jesus out there to the broader community. But what I want you to see is the impact of that. And in verse 8 it says this. It goes on and it says they took the gospel message out. They preached excuse me, everywhere. It says that they, they healed sickness. They went out and they were, in, in the name of Jesus, they were healing the sick. People were getting healed. In the name of Jesus, they were confronting demonic strongholds. And, 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 and Luke records that, that with a shriek, demon spirits were leaving people. So we're seeing a lot of activity take place from these guys that were suddenly thrust out of where they were through circumstances out of their control, pushed out uh, into Judea and Samaria. But verse 8 says this, the end result was this. It says, so there was great joy in that city. And I read that the other day and I thought, man, what an awesome thought. What if in such a time as this right now, what if the church 
were the one organization, the one group of people on planet Earth that could step out into the uncertainty and the turmoil of the world. And what if God wanted to use us to bring great joy to the city? What if this was our time to shine, so to speak, so that we could bring great joy to a community and a world that is suffering from fear and panic and and, and talking about isolation and depression about the future and what's it going to look like and will I be laid off? Will I have a job to go to? What's going to happen with my mortgage? What about my elderly family and relatives? All the questions that are normal questions. There's no problem with people thinking this way. But that's the way the world is going right now. What if this was an opportunity, just like the early believers had in the book of Acts, to take the word of God, the power of God, the Christian life out there into new places and new horizons? And what if we had the capacity through God and through the Holy Spirit to bring joy to the city? Is there ever been a time globally where we feel like, hey, what a great thing it would be to actually bring joy to somebody right now? What a gift to be able to bring uh, something, bring laughter, see somebody laughing, or to see somebody have that heaviness replaced with peace, or to see somebody have the doom and the gloom replaced with hope for the future, and realize that, you know what, there is something else out there more than we can see, taste, touch, feel, or smell. What if right now, this was the church's moment, What if this was our moment to stand up and say, you know, when I walk out these doors today, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to work with you, God. I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to move through me so that the end result is I'm going to be a vessel of bringing joy to this city. Because there aren't a lot of joyful messages out there right now. There are not a lot of joyful organizations out there right now. Qantas put off 20,000 workers the other day. I can imagine that they're not the only organization. I went down to Dan Murphy's yesterday, um, just to talk to some friends of mine, by the way. Um, but Because I worked there for years and I went down there and I walked in the door and you know what, there's a security guard at the front door as I walked in. And when I went in there, I bumped into a mate of mine that I used to work with in the store in Ballina for years. And he said to me, you know, they're cutting our hours and they're telling us they can't afford this. And, and all it was was gloom, 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 gloom. And I'm thinking, if that's all you're hearing, if that's all you're hearing, no wonder there's no joy. But here I'm reading in this, in the midst of their own personal crisis and turmoil, the church did something that brought great joy to a city. Wouldn't that be awesome if we could be those people? Wouldn't it be awesome? Thank you for that. It was nice. Wouldn't it be awesome if the church stood up and said, you know what, maybe this is a moment for us to shine. Maybe this is a moment for us to reflect back to the world something different than the world is reflecting back to each other right now. Awesome. Good preacher now. Great stuff. Enthusiasm. And great joy was in that city. You know, there wasn't great joy in that city until the church arrived. And I can understand why there was great joy. Because if you're sick and these people come into town and go, hey, we've got an answer to your sickness. Well, when a sick person gets better, what's that going to produce? Depression? Great joy. Ask me later. And I didn't. What if this was our chance to strengthen ourselves in God and to bring great joy to the city? It's all doom and gloom out there. It doesn't have to be doom and gloom. But you know what? 
I believe there's a reason why they were able to bring great joy to the city. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says this, and if you've got your Bible there, hopefully you've turned to it by now. I gave you 20 minutes. Still flicking through. It says this. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Okay? Do not conform to the pattern of this world. How many of you know this world has a pattern? Stock market goes down, there's a pattern. You know how everyone's going to react. You know? Uh, uh, A virus. There's a pattern. Everyone's reacting the same. I'm not saying the reactions are all bad. I'm just saying there's a reaction of fear, of panic, of uncertainty about the future. Um, There are certain ways that people are behaving. And, and, And I can imagine back in these times too, when the church was scattered, there would have been a pattern. There would have been a pattern. They could have followed the pattern of the world. They could have given up on their faith. They could have done that, but they didn't. They could have shut up about the good news that we carry, and it's good news, it's great news. Hey, Jesus Christ died for you. Hey, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's great news. God did for you that which you couldn't do for yourself. And guess what? Today, God can still do for you today what you can't do for yourself. It hasn't changed. It hasn't been watered down. That's good news. That's good news. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. But then he goes on. He doesn't just say don't be conformed to the pattern of the world because here's the reality. You are going to be conformed to something. Amen? You are going to be conformed to something. We all are. Every single one of us are being conformed to something. As believers, we're being called to be conformed to the image of God. We're being called to be conformed to the way the kingdom operates and the way that God wants us to live down here. We're being called to conform to being salt, to conform to being light. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. And he goes on, he says this, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That word transformed, anyone ever done science at school, heard that word metamorphosis? Yeah? Metamorphosis, you know, butterfly or caterpillar, all that metamorphosis. It's the same word, that's where the word comes from, metamorpho. It's where we get this word metamorphosis. And, and, and Paul's saying here to the Romans, he's saying, don't be conformed to the image of the world or the pattern of the world. That word conformed literally means uh, through thinking and acting. What he's saying is don't think and act like the rest of the world. That's the bottom line of what he's trying to say. If I can summarize it in simple English for everyone to understand, Paul is saying don't think and act like the rest of the world. But then he goes on and says, but the only way you're not going to think and act like the rest of the world is if you be transformed by renewing your mind. You've got to be metamorphosed, metamorphosed. You've got to be changed and transformed. The best picture I could think of when I was looking at this word and studying it in the Greek was Bruce Banner. Who knows Bruce Banner? Yep, Bruce Banner. You might recognise him as the weedy little guy with the glasses that's in a scientific laboratory. Or maybe you recognise Bruce Banner as this massive big green thing that just smashes everything in its path and belts cars and tanks and so on. Bruce Banner, he turns from this little mild menace scientist to this thing called the Hulk. What did he do? He metamorphosed. He metamorphosed. He went from being this scientist guy to being this crazy big green monster. What metamorphosed him? It was anger. Whenever he got angry, he was metamorphosed. So whatever's going on up here in his brain, he'd see something, get mad about it, and he would transform into Bruce Banner. Anyone ever watch Jackie? Watch the Roosters play football. She will metamorpho. Jackie will sit there as this mild-mannered, lovely woman. Her butter wouldn't melt in her mouth and she will sit there in front of the TV and as soon as the roosters come out there and somebody lays on James Tedesco for more than three seconds, she will metamorpho. 
She metamorphoses into this wild, crazy thing in front of you. She doesn't turn green, but she just changes and she's like, ah, get off him, She gets passionate, she sees it, and something goes on in her mind. And the passion overtakes her. Before you know it, she becomes this other thing. Anyone seen Daniel at KFC? He's, he's, he's just got to be driving past at 20Ks and he sniffs a Zinger burger and he metamorphoses into this junk food Zinger burger eating monster. It's got to be KFC. And I relate because I metamorphose too when I drive past the KFC. I'm exactly the same. I'm watching Ruth metamorphose right now as I touch Daniel. As soon as you talk about it, she'll metamorphose, don't you touch my man. <laughs> be transformed. So here's what he's saying. He's saying don't act and think like the rest of the world. But you've got to be transformed. But then he tells you how to be transformed. He says you'll be transformed by renewing your mind. In other words, change the way you're thinking, you'll change the way you're acting. Change the way you're acting, you'll become a different person. And right now there's a pattern in the world. And that pattern in the world is beginning because people's minds are being transformed by what they're hearing. Normally sane people are going crazy and, and beating each other in shops for toilet paper because they're being transformed, they're being metamorphosed by what they're allowing to come into their mind. They're being changed. Jordan, my son, told me the other day about a blind man that was, and was captured on TV pushing a trolley in a shopping centre. He stopped to get something in a supermarket. He's a blind man, but he still, they still shop, you know, they still shop. And so he's pushing, he stopped to get something and some guy walked past and took the toilet roll out of his trolley. It's all captured on, on camera. People do silly things. And yet we're being called right now in the midst of what's going on. We've got a great opportunity to not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but to be transformed. But we're only going to be transformed if we allow our mind to hear different things. And it's not what the media is saying. It's not what society is saying. It's not what, what, what's being published on the radio. What we need to do is allow our mind to be renewed and transformed by what is God saying? What is God saying to you? What is the word of God to you right now? What does the Bible say to us about the way we should live? Salt and light have certain characteristics. The characteristics are in here. The characteristics are in here. We've got a choice. We are going to be transformed. It's that simple. Over the coming days, weeks and months, who knows how long this will go, you will be metamorphosed. You're all going to be metamorphosed because you're all going to have stuff coming in your mind. And the stuff that you allow to come on in and take root in your mind is going to play a major role in what you metamorphose into. Will you metamorphose into a person of God or will you metamorphose away from that? Will you metamorphose into light? Will you metamorphose into salt? Or will we find ourselves slowly drifting into the pattern of this world? And once we get there, guess what? This world ain't going to bring joy to the city. But it's the transformed body of Christ. It's God's people that have the capacity to bring joy to the city. We don't want to be like the rest of the world. We want to be transformed and we want to be changed. We need to be different. You know, we need to be faith-filled, not fear-filled. We talked about this last week. The world has got just everything being fed out there. It's, it's chipping away, chipping away. I wonder how many people in the church have gone from faith-filled to fear-filled because they've stopped going to God and they're just running to the media. They're just listening to what's being said. What's being told them? And again, I'm not downplaying whatever's going on right now. I'm not an expert. I'm not a doctor. And I listen to medical advice. That's why we're doing what we're doing. We're being as safe as we can. But hey, at the end of the day, Chicken Little was wrong. The world is not falling in. Okay? The sky is not falling. 
We will get through this. We will get through this. We will come out the other end. It's going to happen. We all know that. But what we do in the meantime is going to make a huge difference. It can make a huge difference in your life, in your family. It can make a huge difference in your faith. Who are you pressing into? What are you listening to? We need to be faith-filled and not be fear-filled. Hey, we need to be selfless and not selfish. You're observing selfishness out there in society? Hey, Nobody needs 700 toilet rolls. You just don't need it. I don't care what your problem is. Seriously, get a grip, people. You don't need it. You know, unless you're biologically made different to me... You know, they're going into shops now, chemist shops, and people are buying Ventolin. You see that on the story the other day? They're buying Ventolin and they're just stockpiling Ventolin while the poor person that comes on in has got nothing to buy. In other words, here's what people are doing. I'm going to grab everything I need because all I'm thinking about what might possibly happen for me down the track and I don't care about what's actually happening to you right now. What a selfish society. It's bringing this self-preservation, this selfish... What a great opportunity for us as the church to go, hey, we're not coming, we're not going down the pattern of this world, we're not going that way. Let's be selfless and not selfish. Instead of all I'm worried about is how the world and how the economy and how everything's affecting me, you know what? How healing and ministering would it be to turn to the guy at work and say, hey, so how are you going with this? What's happening in your family? How's your family coping? Next time you're in the grocery shop and that girl across the counter there is, 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 is handing you the money, what if you just simply said to her, how are you going? wonder what could happen. I wonder what joy God could bring into that person's life. I wonder what opportunities could open up for the church. See, we're going to be conformed to a pattern. We're going to, either going to go down the selfish path like the rest of the world or we're going to be selfless. We're going to be faith-filled or we're going to end up being fear-filled. The choice is ours and it's all going to come back to what we allow to come on in to our ears We're going to be generous, not stingy. Let's be generous, not stingy. Hey, I know that everybody here, uh, uh, you know, economically we're we're worried. People are looking at this and looking at that. But hey, let let, let me me just say this. If you get nothing else out of what I'm saying this morning, I want you to, to lay a hold of this. None of God's principles of life have changed. God hasn't gone because of the current climate I understand if you want to be selfish. We'll just put selflessness on hiatus for a bit and it's every man for himself. He's not saying that. God's not saying, look, I get it. This is unprecedented, so there's probably a a level of fear. So instead of saying fear not, I'm saying just fear a tad. Fear a bit, it's okay. I'll allow you to be motivated by it's okay. Because, you know, when we get through this, we'll come back and I'll click back into gear and life will go back the way that I've always intended it to be. Can anyone imagine God doing that? I, I just can't imagine God going, okay, as a church, let's get stingy now. Let's stop being generous with our time. And yes, I'm also talking about finances. Let's, I, I just can't imagine God going, let's, let's stop being generous with our finances when he says all along, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Hey, I don't want you to be blessed for a while, so stop giving. Be stingy. God is still God and life will go on. And you know what? We're going to come out the other end of this. And we're going to come out the other end with one of two things. We're either going to come out the other end stronger knowing that we brought joy to the city. Or we're going to come out the other end and you know what? We're going to go, we missed an opportunity here. We missed an opportunity. I'll tell you, if there's anything I hate in life, it's missing an opportunity. I don't care what the opportunity is. (laughs) 
missing the opportunity to go fishing. Oh, all day I'll sit there stewing. Oh, I missed that opportunity. Should have gone. Missed the opportunity to watch the Tigers. Jackie's missed the opportunity last night to watch the Roosters. I didn't say play, by the way. They haven't played yet. The season starts next week, apparently. <laughs> Two games. We're all going to be metamorphosed. What are we going to be metamorphosed into? What are we going to be changed into? You know, eventually things will go back to normal. You know, the space you've got between your chairs, eventually you'll be sitting right next to that person. Who knows? It could be a month, it could be eight weeks. Who knows? Who knows what the future holds? But the opportunity will give itself a game. You'll be able to come to church and that person next to you is going to lift their hands and you're going to go, geez, should have put some deodorant on this morning. Because you're missing that, right? Some of you this morning, you're probably missing that opportunity. It's going to come back, don't worry. What about those moments in worship, you know, where you lift your hands and you've got your eyes closed and you don't realise it because you're rocks and before you know it, you've actually turned around and you're facing the person behind you and you've been there for three songs like this, you know, and then you open your eyes and you go, oh. Right now, it's okay, you've got all this social distancing, but you know, it's going to come again. People, it's going to come again. It'll come back. It'll come back. In the meantime, you're going to be metamorphosed into something. What are you going to be metamorphosed into? Just get the band to come back. I want to finish with a song. I want us to go out here with a bit of a declaration. Uh, before we leave this morning. Eventually we'll get morning tea back. We'll get morning tea back. And you'll, some of you will be able to go home and say, well, at least the morning tea was good. Worth coming. What if this was our opportunity? In a world filled with fear, what if it's our chance to show them faith? In the world that's gone crazy selfish, what if this is our chance to be selfless? In the world that's stingy, what if this was our chance to be generous? I can imagine those early believers could have easily asked the question, hang on, my faith is discombobulated here. We're following you, Jesus. We're doing the right thing here. And these things aren't meant to happen to the church. They're not meant to happen to us. Why are we suddenly running for our lives, God? Why, why are we the ones that are... Why are some Christians getting sick as well? Why are church attendants... Why are we being told we can't meet? I'm sure they would have had a lot of questions and a lot of things they could have got bogged down in. But I don't know the process. All I know is this, that they went out there to Judea Samaria and because of their presence in, in that time, there was great joy in those cities. I like that. I like that thought. I like the thought that we could bring great joy to our city. We're either going to feed the fear that's out there or we're going to do something else. Jesus taught us to pray. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And if the world's going to see what life in heaven looks like down here on earth right now, who are they going to see it through? They're only looking in one direction. That's the church. Come on, God's on top of this or not? 
Is God still Jehovah Rapha, the healer? Is he still your provider? Even if the economies of the world crash, does God still not say, I'll provide all your needs according to my riches and glory, not according to stock market, not according to whether your employer says, I'm going to give you 40 hours or 20 hours. God says, I can still provide for you. God's still your strong tower you can run to in time of need. Jesus still said, peace I leave you, peace I give you, not as the world gives do I give. The peace I give you is not stapled to the economy, it's not stapled to your physical health. The peace I give you is not stapled to the community, to the society, the world you're in. The peace I give you is this, knowing that I will never ever leave you nor forsake you. I'm with you right now. I'll uphold you by my hand. And I'll be with you the whole way. If that doesn't get us excited... Don't bother telling them out there. Because we believe it. You can't get excited about it. They don't believe it. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Let's worship. Like Jackie said this morning, you know what? Let's, I want you to imagine, and this won't be reality, but I want you to imagine, play with your brain for a second. I want you to metamorpho into someone for me. I want you to imagine that next week, the government says... You cannot gather together again. Christians, you're not going to get together again. You're not going to worship together again. You're not going to lift up the name of Jesus together again. And what if this was the last song, the last chance that we had to lift up Jesus' name together as a group? I'll tell you what I would do. Here's what I would do. I'd be jumping. I'd be clicking my heels. I actually wouldn't care what you thought of me all of a sudden because I wouldn't be next to you next week. I wouldn't care whether my arms flapping gets in your way. I wouldn't care. I would just care about God. If this is the last time I get to publicly express my love for you, my faith in you, my joy in you, then God, I'm going to go at it. I'm going to go hard. I'm going to do it. I'm going to make it worthwhile. So how about for the next two minutes while we finish with this song, let's allow yourself to metamorpho into somebody as if this is the last chance we're going to get. And you know what? When we gather next, let's do it again like it's the last chance we're going to get. We gather the time after that. What are we going to do? We'll do it like it was the last chance we're going to get. When we turn up tonight, worship. We can worship like it's the last chance we're going to get. Amen. Is that fair? Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, God, that, uh, Father, you are still on the throne. God, you're still King of Kings and Lord of Lords. God, we are still your children in this place this morning, God. Father, we are still the head and not the tail. We are still above and not beneath. God, we are still more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. Father, you still love us with an everlasting love. You are still our strong tower. You are still our refuge. God, you are still the one that has all the answers. You are still the all-powerful God. We still have the Holy Spirit down here with us, dwelling inside our mortal flesh. We still have...